This is the second part of the cinema essay that was written by my friend Rob and narrated by me. And if you made it this far, we both thank you. This is Two Takes, and this is his shot. A cinema essay done by Rob, and I really hope you enjoy it. A concept is a slippery thing. It can be easy to unleash and difficult to contain. When it finds a host, it can infect or even be taught. And when it takes effect, it can either corrupt or inspire. Give somebody an idea, and if they're susceptible enough, they may just well run with it. To explore the ways in which a joke can function as such a thing, I'm going to be looking strictly at his three biggest outings in cinema, all of which were smash hits that had enormous lasting impacts on our pop culture. Tim Burton's Batman, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, and Todd Phillips' Joker. There's a sequence in The Dark Knight that crosscuts between three of the Joker's next targets. At a party in Bruce Wayne's penthouse, Harvey Dent takes Rachel off to the side to discuss their starry-eyed future. At Commissioner Loeb's office, Gordon is warning his boss of the threat made against him by the Joker. And outside her house, Judge Cirillo is escorted to a car by two officers who hand her an envelope containing a safe house destination. Hans Zimmer's score here is subdued but noticeably rising. We can feel it. Chaos is on the horizon. And then, just like that, everything suddenly escalates. Bruce walks up and puts Harvey in a chokehold that renders him unconscious. Loeb takes a drink of scotch that makes him suddenly double over and collapse, making Gordon desperately scream for a medic. And Cerulea opens the envelope to read up before she's engulfed in an explosion. The music heightens to a deafening level. Hans Zimmer's strings are now a rapid, violent sound of urgency and panic as the cross-cutting scenes collapse into each other. As Cerulea's car burns in flames, hundreds of Joker cards rain down like ash. As the scotch glass lays on its side, emitting fumes, Gordon is helpless to save a dying lobe. And while barricading an unconscious Harvey in a safe room, Bruce tells Rachel in a fearful voice. Just as the Joker himself marches into the party and fires a shot into the air. In these brilliant few moments, the Joker's plan coming together feels equivalent to opening up a box containing his chaos and madness. Oliver suddenly spilling out and rampaging like some fast-acting virus. The mass spread of Joker's plan is a focal point in all of his films. In Tim Burton's Batman, this comes in a literal form, with Nicholson's Joker releasing a killer toxin across Gotham, a plot also used in many Batman comic books. However, other forms have taken a more figurative approach to the idea of a mass spread. Ledger's Joker, for example, spreads fear and panic across the city when he promises to commit murders every day until Batman unmasks and turns himself in. As expected, it doesn't take long for this panic to warp into outrage, with citizens imploring Batman to cave to these demands and even a member of law enforcement accusing him, it's because of you these people are dead. Later, when the Joker promises to blow up a hospital unless a certain man from the news is killed within the hour, various members of the public quickly abandon their morals in the face of hysteria and try to kill the Joker's target to protect their hospital-bound loved ones. Alas, nothing spreads like a good old-fashioned fear, does it? The image of this Joker laughing manically into the camera in his video threats played on the news give a strong feeling of helplessness, like this terrorist has the entire city in the palm of his hand. As with everything else in Joker, things are done a bit differently, and Arthur begins to film as one of the infected, figuratively speaking. Here, 
he's a fellow victim of the grey cloud draped over this version of Gotham, which seems to be living in some post-apocalyptic state of decay and depression. Arthur drags his feet and hangs his head as he walks past the angry graffiti and the putrid build-up of rubbish bags on the side of the road. But before long, we all know our slouch protagonist straightens his posture, walks with purpose, and creates his own city-wide spread in the form of violent protests, explosive riots, and murder. And during this, the situation even morphs from crowds idolising Arthur to some unknown criminal in a clown mask using the riots for his own personal gain. Rather than raising his fists into the air with everyone else, this assailant follows Thomas and Martha Wayne into an alley and murders them while cannibalising Arthur's manifesto of I'll tell you what you call the police! Get what you fucking deserve! He then leaves the scene with a pearl necklace instead of any kind of social emancipation. And even this, indirectly, is Arthur's fault. Even as the hero of his own story, he still manages to contribute to the Joker's long-standing tradition of infecting those around him. The Joker famously once stated in the pages of a comic book, all it takes is one day to reduce the sanest man alive to lunacy. When these films take inspiration from our own headlines, it's a clever, deliberate tactic that can be appreciated on artistic terms. But what's most terrifying is when that relationship is turned on its head. When the Joker up on the screen inspires our headlines, when his ideologies and actions and the very idea of his evil seem to reach through that barrier and take hold of a susceptible host. Whoever's to blame for these tragic occurrences isn't really what I'm here to discuss. Some would argue the motives, while others would say solely the offenders in question. No, I'm more interested in just how easy it can be for a troubled individual to be nudged to extremes such as these by a mere fictional character. It's a truly frightening thought when you look at how often it actually happened. In June of 2014, married couple Jared and Amanda Miller shot and killed two police officers and a civilian in Las Vegas, Nevada, and declared during the anti-government spree, this is the beginning of the revolution. As was reported in the aftermath, the couple had been driven by an alarming concoction, their shared hatred of law enforcement, the admiration of the 1999 Columbine High School Massacre, shared love of the Joker and his girlfriend, Harley Quinn. Before the spree, Jared Miller uploaded multiple videos on YouTube in which he ranted about the American government and declared his own Dawn of a New Day manifesto, all while dressed as the Joker. Other social media posts saw he and his wife posing as a deranged comic book couple, and it was confirmed by a neighbour that they would dress up as them on a regular basis. The victims were police officers Igor Soldo and Alan Beck, and civilian Joseph Wilcox, who bravely intervened. Two years later, in April of 2016, a 14-year-old girl cut a Chelsea smile into her face to resemble Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. She hid the wounds under a bandana and left the school. Before class, she lured one of her classmates to a secluded area of the school grounds, and then tried to stab them to death with a kitchen knife she had hidden in her bag. After her victim survived with minor wounds and the girl was arrested, it was discovered that she had an obsession with serial killers and had planned more attacks in the future, including the murders of her own family and a school shooting for which she had complied a kill list of 60 names. In the days before the stabbing, she had spilled her plans to a close friend via text and declared, I don't care if they blame it on Joker or Columbine. They didn't inspire me, they just motivated me. I think it's almost impossible for a rational person to imagine doing such things, 
let alone by the motivation of a fictional character. But it's all right there, screaming back at us, a mountain of cases in which troubled people have latched onto ideas or been given to shape their un disorganized dark thoughts with the help of fictional characters going on to commit horrible acts while wearing or carrying their inspiration on them, like as a part of their being. Even outside the realm of the Joker, this type of occurrence has sparked infamous moments in history. Take John Hinckley Jr., a seemingly ordinary man on antidepressants who ended up trying to assassinate Ronald Reagan in 1981, motivated by an apparent obsession with Jodie Foster and his identifying with two severely nihilistic characters. The disturbed Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver and Holden Caulfield from J.D. Salinger's book The Catcher in the Rye. In fact, that wasn't the only time that book was linked to an attack. One year earlier, Mark David Chapman was found with a copy on him when he was arrested for the murder of John Lennon. He had apparently brought the copy that very same day, and before carrying out the murder, he had written aside to Holden Caulfield from Holden Caulfield. This is my statement. A concept is a slippery thing. It can be easier to unleash and difficult to contain. When it finds a host, it can infect or even be taught, and when it takes effect, it can either corrupt or inspire. Give somebody an idea, and if they're susceptible enough, it may just well run away with it. But how can that be fought, let alone prevented? After all, there's no Batman in our world to help us take down our Jokers. Returning to Alfred's story in The Dark Knight, about he had once hunted a motiveless criminal in, in Burma, Bruce asks him how he actually caught the man, and Alfred responds, We burned the forest down. Could such a thing work when you're up against something as evasive as an idea? Perhaps in our world, to burn the forest down would be to have a better system in place for detecting red flags in individuals and hitting the emergency button before it's too late. Perhaps it would be better monitoring of some of these warning signs on social media. Perhaps, as Todd Phillips seems to think, we just need to do a little better. Perhaps. I don't know. But a comic book famously once stated, all it takes is one bad day to reduce the sanest man alive to lunacy. And nobody scares me like the Joker, because I think his words there might be partially true. What are your thoughts on what was discussed in this episode? Comment and let me know to open up a conversation. Like and subscribe for more content of this nature, and come talk to me on Twitter or Instagram. Better yet, support the show on my Patreon to help a creator such as myself with learning on the go. Each like, each comment, each subscriber fuels the motivation I need to make better and better content for yours truly. Come say hi, and thanks for watching.